With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. It is me, Joey P., Joe Pizzapia, and today we're going to take a deep dive on the tight end rankings, the tiers, where the drop-offs are, who's the superlative, and who doesn't make the grade. And to help us do it, of course, is Pat Fitzmorris, the host of our Dynasty Podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to that, you should, wherever you get your podcast, because it's a fantastic show. Him and Scott Bogman breaking down all the Dynasty characters that you need. And in 2023 Redraft, you have to know these guys because it is definitely a changeover season. So make sure you're listening to the Dynasty pod there. And you might as well also check out Pat's incredible work as well over on fantasypros.com. He's got a great series going, breaking down all of the Dynasty players. And he, I think he just dropped the tight end piece. Pat, if I'm correct, am I correct in saying this? Startup strategy at various positions, mm. Joe, including tight end. Yes. Sounds sexy. I love it. Speaking <laughs> of sexy, there's Andrew Erickson over there hey. hanging out, ready to go, ready to rock, <laughs> bringing the big pod energy as he always does. And I encourage everybody who's listening to the pod to also watch us over on the YouTube channel so you can see all of the rankings and tiers in living color, because that's how we're doing it today here on the YouTube channel. So you can see where all the names are in terms of the ECR. And we're going to be comparing the boys' rankings to the ECR and to each other to see where all the variance is. So again, make sure you subscribe to Fantasy Pro's YouTube channel and click that little bell till it goes ding. So you know every time a piece of content drops here on our channel. And uh, let's just jump head first here because obviously Travis Kelsey is the one in ECR. He's the one in our hearts, all that good stuff. But at the same time, gentlemen, it's kind of interesting that in the ECR, you have Travis Kelsey as the one in the superlative tier along with Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson. And no knock on those two guys. They're terrific. But Kelsey's really in a standalone tier of its own. To me, he is the only S-tier tight end. Uh, Fitz, do you agree with that notion, too, that, you know, there's there's still a – you can call those guys all the top of the position, but there's one guy who is really at the very top of this mountain. I agree, Joe. I mean, he has finished as the tight end one in PPR scoring in six of the last seven seasons, got clipped by Mark Andrews in 2021, but um, Kelsey has strung together seven straight 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, he's averaged 8.4 touchdowns a year over that span. He's going to be 31 in October, but he's been pretty indestructible, basically. I mean, I, he missed a game in 2020 due to COVID-19, but has not missed a game due to injury over the last nine years. So um, it, it's hard to make a case that anyone really belongs on his strata. 
Uh, Erickson, just to give a little bit of definition to how much better Travis Kelsey is than everybody else, not just a great SNL performance, which it was, he was tremendous that night. But also, if you look at the relative position value statistic, which is compares, you know, the fantasy league average tight end and everybody else in their peers, he was 89% better and more productive than the fantasy league average tight end last year. That's stunning. So basically, he took the top 12 guys and compared them to each other. Travis Kelsey was that much of an advantage. So clearly, he should be the guy at the top. And I, I don't want people thinking going into draft season, Erickson, that the other guys are good consolation prizes because it really is not the same. It's apples and oranges, right? Yeah, I mean, you're better off comparing Travis Kelsey to the top players at wide receiver and running back than you are comparing him to other tight ends. It's like Travis Kelsey tight end and then a tear off and then every other tight end because that's the type of production he's been putting up because that's the question mark you're asking. It's like, am I going to draft Travis Kelsey fifth overall, sixth overall? Because that's kind of where we see his ADP kind of settle in some of these one quarterback leagues and then tight end premium. I mean, you can take him first, like second overall, because of the way that that scoring system is set up. So yeah, he's entering his age 34 season, but so far as Fitz laid out, like there really hasn't been any drop off in his production. Now, the question is, okay, can Kelsey, like you just mentioned off his, his scoring relative to the field of tight end? Well, is that repeatable? Is he going to be able to be so much more dominant than every other tight end? Let's say he drops off a little bit and the field catches up okay, maybe this wasn't the year to draft Kelsey in the middle of round one because Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson end up being better values in rounds three and four. But at the end of the day, which tight end is going to score the most points? It's probably going to be Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I still stand by the fact that if I'm going to draft Kelsey, I'd rather do it with a top six pick than wait and do it later on because I feel like all the roster construction, I just like so much better when I just, if you're going to go for Kelsey, just do it as opposed to, you know, kind of waiting and letting it slip down the trough a little bit. Now, obviously, you know, as we discussed before, Andrews Hawkinson, also very good. Uh, George Kittle is in that A tier, that next tier for you, Fitz. So he is still kind of in that grouping. But what's so fascinating here in your A team, uh, in your tier here, Erickson, is actually Kyle Pitts. And I want to talk about Kyle Pitts because this is a player, Andrew, we all loved last year, me included. Um, I tried to warn everybody about Marcus Mariota. Everybody tried you know, really hard and was successful ignoring me. Uh, he did, in fact, ruin Kyle Pitts, unfortunately. And now I'm not saying Desmond Ritter is the savior of Kyle Pitts. But when you look at this lineup year over year that they've constructed here, you have Drake London, you have Kyle Pitts, you have Bijan Robinson. I think there's reason to be more optimistic this year. And it seems like you are of the same where you're looking for that Kyle Pitts bounce back, right, Andrew? I think so. I'm trying to be optimistic and hopeful because I think that the talent is there for Kyle Pitts and it's really about the situation. And when I look back at my hits and misses about players, it's always because I overinvested in the situation. I was like, I'm not drafting X player because his situation is bad or it's off. And I know exactly how this offense is going to play out. Like we all think we know what the Falcons is going to be. We know all oh, they're going to run the ball a million times and there's not going to be enough volume in the passing game for anybody to catch any balls week in and week out. But things change. Guys get hurt. Things surprise. Desmond Ritter could be better than we think. He could be worse than we think. So there's a lot of question marks. And then asking, okay, is it baked into the ADP? Kyle Pitts is less expensive than he was last year. And what's really changed? He has Desmond Ritter instead of Marcus Mariota. I don't think Ritter's like this amazing quarterback whatsoever. But I think he's better than Marcus Mariota is at least delivering the ball downfield. So for those reasons, look, if Pitts hits, I think that's something that can actually give you an advantage on your fantasy team versus if he misses again, okay, well, you're going to be stuck with every other person that has a bad tight end. 
Like that's kind of the downfall with him. So yes, I am trying to be a little bit more optimistic about Kyle Pitts, but at the same time, I don't feel great about clicking the button on him. Like I realize the the risks with drafting him and it's not every draft. I'm like, I have to get Kyle Pitts in this draft. No, like it really depends on my roster construction. It depends on what other tight ends are available. And, but I don't want to just not have any Kyle Pitts this year. Cause I think that's just kind of going in too blind and, and ignoring the talent. Well, he is the fifth tight end over fantasypros.com. And again, you can check out all the rankings there, fantasypros.com slash rankings to see where all of these are lying. And he is the fifth tight end, not only in Erickson's rankings, but also in yours, Pat. However, in yours, you have him down a tier, which I think makes sense. So you still have Andrews, Hawkinson, Kittle kind of as that A tier. And then Pitts begins your B tier. And I and I feel like that's a very fair assessment in terms of your evaluation of Pitts based off the big disappointment of last year. So what are your expectations in 2023? And do you feel the same way Erickson does, which is more about not so much targeting Pitts as looking for the value of Pitts and drafts? It is fair, Joe, but I actually want to do over on that. Like if I could do it again, I would put uh, Pitts in the A level, I think. Like I, I'm with Erickson. Um, I know there are problems. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much better than Marcus Mariota Desmond Ritter is going to be. But here we have a guy who like his his ability to draw targets uh, is pretty impressive. Like he's done a lot of that. And, and let's not forget that he was the first rookie receiver since Mike Ditka 60 years earlier to have a thousand yard rookie season. And he did it in a season in which uh, that he began when he was 20 years old. So this guy is just a freakish talent. Um, last year, like his average depth of target, because Pitts is so much like a wide receiver, it was over 13 yards. It was like 13.8 yards, which, you know, not really optimal when Marcus Mariota is the quarterback, and which was why we were seeing so many comical overthrows, underthrows, uh, you know, wide throws. So basically, well, to that point, Pat, you know, only because you're, you're, you're bringing up the Mariota point, too. The one thing I think if you watch Ritter in Cincinnati, and I know you and I both did a fair amount the last few years before he got to the NFL, is I felt that he was he was pretty accurate in terms of, you know, getting rid of the football in the right spot and managing that offense pretty well. And I think he's a very bright kid, too. So I think he's kind of he's going to be a, a little bit more aware of, you know, certain situations that he wants to avoid and when he wants to be aggressive and not be aggressive. And I think that could be an improvement year over year from what Mariota was, because Mariota just seemed like he had no feel for it whatsoever. Right. And to that point, Joe, like if if Desmond Ritter can't do it, they also have uh, Taylor Heineke behind him. And Heineke is never going to be an above average starting NFL quarterback, but he was at least like able to facilitate his pass catchers in Washington and make those guys fantasy viable. So, um, you know, the, he's kind of the, the safety net for Kyle Pitts. So I am optimistic. And I know a lot of fantasy managers get mad when we recommend Kyle Pitts and then uh, Kyle Pitts goes out and lays an egg <laughs> like he did last year. And, and, you know, a lot of venom on Twitter <sighs> over that sort of thing. But man, it, it sounds like Erickson and I, and, and you Joe are right back here recommending Kyle Pitts again. I'm back here recommending him, but I was really concerned last year. Um, and, and Erickson's smirking because he knows we've gotten many <laughs> fights last year about this. And it's just, you know, when you've seen enough Marcus Mariota, you know, and, and, I understand Ritter is not Patrick Mahomes. I am well aware of this. 
but I do think there's room for improvement there uh, just in the basic level of quarterback play and understanding when to throw the football in certain places and where it should be more importantly. Uh, but let's continue on with some other names here. Cause you continue on to the a group on fantasy pros ECR after Pitts is Dallas Goddard, very steady. And then Darren Waller, another buyback kind of guy. Now, Pat, he is number seven right now. You've got Darren Waller, you know, kind of in that same range at seven, you've got him in the B tier. Um, now, Andrew is even more bullish on Darren Waller. Debro, forget it. We did a show yesterday, if you missed it with Jake Seeley, where he basically said Darren Waller is going to finish as the tight end two overall. So go ahead and go drop your comments on that video because I can't wait to read those. But let's talk about Darren Waller, Pat, because this is another dude that we've absolutely seen the ceiling and it is incredible. You can make the case, as Derek did on yesterday's show, about you know, the Giants really need somebody else to emerge in this group of pass catchers because the wide receivers are lacking. But it's the injury bug of Darren Waller the last two years that's really destroyed his value. So how do you feel about his value coming into 2023? I don't like it at all, Joe. I'm probably not going to have Darren Waller in any league. I, I don't think he should be a top five guy. I just think there's um, too much risk here. And I think maybe people are looking at that wide receiver group and maybe sort of uh, wish casting a little bit with Darren Waller because they see all these. Uh, Ironically, wish casting was also the buzzword yesterday. So you and Derek Brown now have to. <laughs> put a dollar in the jar for the wish cast. And you guys are, I, we looked it up online. It costs like $1,700 to buy the URL. So, you know, we have to put all that money aside so we can purchase <laughs> that at the end of the season. So, I mean, part of it is that the Giants have this uh, collection of Lilliputians playing wide receiver and <laughs> Waller is this gigantic target. So of course, you know, everyone thinks every time Daniel Jones throws a pass, in the green zone or the red zone, it's going to Darren Waller. And, and maybe he will get uh, an inordinate number of those targets. But man, I mean, those back-to-back thousand-yard seasons he had in 2019 and 2020, they are starting to look really small in the rearview mirror. Those were a long time ago. He's missed 14 games the last two years. Uh, he's going to be 31 in September. I think I said Travis Kelsey was going to be 31. I was thinking of Waller when I said that. Um and here's the, like, I'm not really a big schedule guy that doesn't really affect how I draft, but Waller has a, a really brutal schedule this year. I mean, he, the teams in the NFC East, Washington, uh, fourth fewest fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends, Dallas, third fewest, Philadelphia, 13th fewest, and then some of their uh, non-divisional opponents, the Saints, first against tight ends, Buffalo, second against tight ends, Packers and 49ers, both top 10 in fewest points allowed to tight end. So it's kind of a tough schedule for a guy who was down to 43.1 yards per game last year, pretty much the lowest since his breakout season in Oakland. So I'm just like, I'm not in on Waller at all this year. Well, the guy who is in is Andrew Erickson, because you've got him at tight end three. So you and Debro must have been hanging out at the bar late last night. So let's talk about this, uh, because Pat brings a lot of good data here, including we always know going into every season, you know, what looks like tough schedules can change dramatically with, you know, personnel changes or potentially even injuries, but it's a really strong case against Darren Waller. So let me hear the case for Darren Waller for people who want to draft him because you like him as the third tight end. That's pretty spectacular considering right now ECR has got him closer to 10. He's seventh overall. Well, I think part of it is I like the price of Darren Waller. I like that he's cheaper than I don't need to draft him as the tight. He's not going to be the tight end three when you draft him. So what I'm telling people that look at my rankings is, no, you don't have to draft Andrews. You don't have to draft Hawkinson. You don't have to draft Kittle in round four, round five. Just wait till round nine, around eight, 
when Darren Waller goes off the board because I'm looking for a tight end that can lead his team in targets. Like there's only a handful of these guys that even exist. And yes, the concerns are, can Darren Waller stay healthy? Don't know. But if you draft any tight end, any mid-round tight end, and they get hurt, that's going to kill your roster regardless. So now at least the risk is mitigated a little bit because Waller is cheaper than those other players. And I think that you, I know that it's been a while since he's been able to put up the production, but he's done it before. Like there are a bunch of tight ends going ahead of him that have never been tight end once or been True. top well, five tight ends. Well, he's done it with Derek Carr. So now you're expecting him to do with Daniel Jones, who's not exactly a prolific thrower of the football either. I mean, who has he been throwing the ball to? Like I can, I can spin the argument in two different ways. Lilliputians like... <laughs> yeah, to answer your question. You know what a Lilliputian is, don't you? No. Be honest. I do I not know. Didn't. I love you. It's short people oh, like okay. me. That's why I know what it is. But continue on. I, I just think I like buying into Waller's upside. I, I'm not as concerned about his downside with the injuries. I, I think that they're going to use him in a way that's good for fantasy, like using him in the red zone, using him to score fantasy points. I'm not really worried about the schedule. Like players get hurt all the time in terms of the defense. So I'm not really overly concerned about Waller. I'm not going to not draft him because of his tough schedule against tight ends, which changes dramatically year over year. And it just goes back to like, he can be the number one target on his team. Like there's not many tight ends that fall into that category. And that's what kind of separates him. He's not one of these tight ends where a lot of the tight ends on this list, like Dallas Goddard. Okay. Dallas Goddard needs an injury to really unlock his ceiling. Like, I think we can all agree on that. Darren Waller doesn't like, he doesn't need well, one of these giant receivers good... to get hurt for him to have a higher ceiling or unlock that ceiling. Whereas Dallas Goddard, even George Kittle, like George Kittle does not put up high end numbers. When Ayuk is healthy, when McCaffrey's out there, when Debo Samuel's out there, like, if you look at all the touchdowns he scored last year, Debo wasn't playing in half those games. But Waller doesn't have to deal with that. And I think considering the price, too, that's why I like him at his value. Well, you make a really good case, I think, for the upside pick there. So you're saying, you know, that's where the ceiling is. And again, when we rank, we're trying to show people what we think the perceived value could be in the return at the end of the year, not so much what the consensus is. That's what the consensus is for. And that's why you follow people individually. Here's what's interesting, too. If you're looking at the Fantasy Pros Championship at FFPC, his ADP right now, he is going basically 59th player overall. So that's an interesting value over um, on there. And if you want to get involved in that, by the way, everybody who's listening and watching, fantasypros.com slash championship. You sign up, use that promo code fantasypros. You get 25 bucks off your entry. So go do that. And there's also the extra discount. If you sign up by June 1st and complete a draft by June 15th, you get a $35 extra early bird credit. So that's pretty awesome. And remember the main prize there, a million dollars, a million dollars for playing fantasy football. We're also giving away fantasy pros, a betting pro subscription. So uh, take advantage of early ADP and take advantage of going in and getting uh, involved in our fantasy pros championship at FFPC. Again, that's the fantasypros.com slash champion. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for, or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. 
Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. This is Jeff T from the Club 520 Podcast. You'll know when you get it. It'll say eBay, authenticity, guarantee. You'll feel it because when it comes to your feet, eBay has your back. Maybe it's that head-turning pair for hooping or a hot new collab. Whatever you're after, when you cop on eBay, you can trust that your kicks will be checked by experts, not just any expert, sneaker experts who live and breathe the culture. Real people with real hands-on authentication experience. That's when Blue Checkmark represents on our listing. eBay Authenticity Guarantee, meaning every inch, stitch, sole, logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. So when you finally step into those grill kicks, you'll realize the feeling is unlike any other. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, the feeling of real is always within reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Let's talk about another tight end here. Pat Fryermuth, one of my favorite guys. Uh, Fitz, he is also in your B tier. Uh, as we continue to look, but Andrew, you don't seem to love Pat Frymuth. You've got him all the way in the C tier. So is it just a matter of the role in the Steelers offense? Like what, what, why the no love for Pat Frymuth? I think that he's just really touchdown dependent and it depends mm-hmm. on how many touchdowns do I think Kenny Pickett is going to throw. I, I don't see Kenny Pickett going out and th- tossing 35 touchdowns. So if Pat Frymuth is now not seeing as much touchdown volume as he needs, He's competing for targets with Deontay Johnson, with George Pickens, who I like a lot. Najee Harris is catching passes outside in the backfield. I, I guess for me, it's just like, where is this amazing upside for a guy like Pratt Firemuth? And he kind of goes in that range of the middle of tight end where I think Firemuth is better than a lot of other tight ends from a real life perspective. But am I actually gaining any edge whatsoever drafting him at tight end nine, tight end 10 when he outscores Mike Gusecki by 50 points? And by one point per game, like, what does that do for me when I could have drafted a running back or receiver with breakout potential where he's going instead of, and then waiting to draft the tight end later. I just don't see the gap between his production being so much marginally better than guys going later, which is why I'm just like, I could, I could pass on Firemuth where he's going. All right, Pat, you're obviously higher on Firemuth. I assume it's more than just the name brand value for you, but also, you know, you've got to support guys named Pat. I want to understand from your perspective too. Andrew saying, you know, I expect Kenny Pickett to throw 35 touchdowns. That's fair. But do we expect him to look for Pat Frymuth in the red zone? And I think the answer is a big yes. So how do you rank Pat Frymuth or, you know, in your terms of value as opposed to the board that's got him as tight end nine? Where do you see him ending up at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that he will be a a frequently sought after end zone target for Kenny Pickett, Joe. But I mean, to kind of push back on something Erickson just said, like, I I don't know if he's that touchdown dependent anymore. He he very much was his first year when he had under 500 yards, but had seven touchdowns. Last year, only two touchdowns, but he was still somewhat fantasy viable because he had 70, uh, sorry, 63 catches for 732 yards. So 
like he was still a playable tight end, even though he wasn't scoring touchdowns. And we saw the the Pittsburgh offense become more efficient late in the year. Um, you know, we know George Pickens doesn't really draw targets at a high rate. So I'm optimistic that we're still going to see plenty of targets for Fryermuth. And I mean, I just think he's a really good value relative to Darren Waller. I don't necessarily disagree with what Erickson is saying about uh, maybe waiting and getting a, a just taking Mike Gesicki six or seven rounds later and, uh, you know, kind of dumpster diving at tight end that way. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I do think Fryermuth is a reasonable option if you're going to not shop on the top, the Gucci level of tight ends, Joe. But if you're going to go to, you know, Target and get your tight ends, I, I think Fryermuth is a reasonable option there. You can find some good durable products at the Target, I think. Uh, Evan Ingram's an interesting one, too, because he is ranked eighth right above Fryermuth on the ECR ranking. So these are guys still in the theoretical A tier over on Fantasy Pros. Uh, Evan Ingram coming off a surprisingly good season. But I think, Pat, the big problem now is the the addition of Calvin Ridley, the question of how these targets get dispersed now, and will the offense continue to utilize the tight end as much as it did? Now, they did bring him back. They franchised him. So now he's back for one more year. So what are your thoughts on Evan Ingram being able to repeat the success of last year? Because it seems like from the ECR, that's almost what the quote unquote experts are expecting. Yeah, it was nice that he did. Um, I mean, he'd been such a tease for so long, Joe. He had that great rookie <laughs> season with the Giants. And then just we kept expecting more and more from him in every season. It was injuries or just bad cases of the drops. But finally, everything kind of clicked, and, and he and Trevor Lawrence really got on the same page last year. It was nice to see. So he finishes with 73 catches, 766 yards, only four touchdowns, but still quite valuable, and then had a big game in the playoffs, uh, seven catches, 93, and a touchdown uh, in that epic come-from-behind win against the Chargers. So, yes, um, I think we have to expect a little drop in the target count with uh, Calvin Ridley coming aboard. But, I mean, I, I still think Evan Ingram is a, a solid low-end tight end one option. Um, you know, and hopefully just – he was so good last year. I, I find it hard to think that he would uh, slip back to the, the disappointing level he was at in those uh, later years with the Giants. He still slides into your B tier. But, Erickson, you've got Evan Ingram in your C tier actually right after Pat Frymouth. So you got the same guys right in there but uh, a little bit lower down the trough. So talk to me about your thoughts on Evan Ingram or maybe your concerns considering your ranks. I, yeah, I, I think with Evan Ingram, it's everyone is just looking at last year's like, Oh, it finally worked out. Like let's buy in. And he's just going to disappoint us all. Like I, I think Evan Ingram is probably one of the bigger, stronger fades. I'm going to have at tight end this season, looking at Jacksonville's offense, adding in Calvin Ridley. Look, part of the reason why Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram was good last year was because he didn't get hurt. Like this guy's been banged up every single season of his career. He finally stays healthy, and now he's back in the tight tight end top ten. Like, can he do it again, Joe? When you introduced Evan Ingram as the player of uh, debate here, you talked about his surprising finish last year because we knew he was talented, but the guy can never stay healthy. And I brought this up on multiple shows talking about Jacksonville specifically. They were the healthiest team last year. That doesn't happen year over year. It's very very difficult to replicate. So I don't want to say that I am the magical oracle projecting that Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be destroyed by injuries. But just based on the math, like they're probably going to experience more injuries than they had last year. And who's a guy that is most likely to kind of fall victim to that. It would probably be a guy like Evan Ingram, who has a history of injuries and stayed healthy 
all of last season. He's already skipping OTAs. Like, it just has a lot of signs of, like, yeah, like, there's a lot of, like, peripherals here with Evan Ingram where it's like, hmm, I get why he's ranked where he's ranked because tight end is so bad, and you kind of have to just put him up there because what he did last year, but it goes back to making bets. Low-end tight end ones on draft day are bad bets because even if they outscore tight end 15 through 24, it's not by much, but you still had to invest a top 10 draft pick in them. So for those reasons, like unless Evan Ingram falls into late round territory, I'm not touching him. Like it's just not happening. I understand that. I also think there's something to be said for the evolution of a quarterback. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence is a young quarterback as he continues to grow and mature. will probably look less for the tight end and more for the wide receiver targets, especially if you are looking at adding a piece like Calvin Ridley. And I'm not trying to anoint Calvin Ridley as Calvin Johnson or anything like that. But he is a very useful potential piece. And he got so much out of Christian Kirk and Zay Jones last year. The fact that they're kind of bringing this whole band back together and we'll see whatever Travis Etienne ends up doing in this offense as well. If he catches more passes, we shall see. Uh, continuing on, though, the last guy in this top 10 on Fantasy Pros, again, in the A tier to close it out, is David Njoku, who we can you know all discuss ad nauseum. We've all been waiting for David Njoku. It's just another wait, I think, basically for all of us to see, okay, what will he do now with this quarterback? And will... Deshaun Watson be that guy for him. I still say it's Elijah Moore, so I'm not going to be putting too much stock in him. The next grouping is really interesting, though, because now we're into the uh, basically B tier on Fantasy Pros, which, again, now we start to really dive deep into the guys' ranks and all the variants we have. Dalton Schultz at 11, based off of what he did with the Cowboys. That's a tough sell because he ain't with the Cowboys. It's another team in Texas. Uh, Jiggy Nkonkwo, uh, another guy who flashed last year some moments, but a lot of unknowns about what that Tennessee Titans offense is going to be. Cole Komet at the 13th tight end overall. Uh, certainly another guy. Flash some moments. Uh, a former Notre Dame guy. Uh, Greg Dulcich. Moments. Tyler Higby. Again, another tough sell. I think we've been down that road before. And then Gerald Everett. That rounds out the top 16. Now, I think when we look at your ranks and the differences between a lot of these guys, it's fascinating to me because I would say when you're looking at this group, Cole Komet is that one that really stands out to me if this – Offense is going to take another step forward. I've always been a fan of Cole Komet. I've always hoped that they would evolve the passing game a little bit more. Erickson, you've got Cole Komet. <laughs> let me let me kind of reset for everybody. There is no D tier for Erickson. He goes from the guys he likes in the C tier. It's D tier. And then everybody's in an F. But Cole Komet is the first guy in your F tier. So why is he the first guy there? Do you have the most hope for him to be able to crack the ceiling of this tight end one group? No, because he was the last player in my C tier. And then I was looking at him versus some of the other players in my C tier. And I was like, no, I think that he should be in a tier below. So that's why he defaulted to that. But you kept Dalton Schultz in your C tier. Why? Because Dalton Schultz can lead the Texans in targets and Cole Komet is not going to lead the Bears in targets. Like I, I, it's well, like what? John Mechie is going to lead the Texans in targets. I you think mean the guy that's never gotten a single program. target in the NFL, Joe? Mm. That's a really bold yeah, statement. Yeah, but he got a crap ton of them in Alabama, baby. It was a while and ago. That guy knows what to do with them. Dolan Schultz has been back-to-back tight end one season for the Dallas ago. Cowboys. It's worth something. Where Cole Komet. But he's not taking the Dallas Cowboys with him. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, but Cole Komet has more competition with the Bears. Like, I, like the reason I like Cole Komet last Does year he? is because they had nobody else on offense. But now they do. They have well, other, here, other okay, players. Okay, let me play devil's advocate. Does he have more of uh, a, a competition, quote unquote, or does he finally have at least, you know, DJ Moore and Darno Moody two viable wide receivers where all of a sudden Cole Komet might actually be able to operate and do his job for once. 
No, because Titans need targets. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's the most important thing for me. I'm not going to go out here and project, oh, well, now his efficiency is going to okay. be through the roof because Titan efficiency is tied to athleticism and touchdowns. Colcomet is a okay athlete. Like, he's not some superstar. And we saw him last year have a spiked weeks because of touchdowns. And projecting, oh, well, I know exactly when Colcomet's going to have all these touchdown spikes with Justin Fields throwing the ball 40 times per game, which probably still won't happen. Like, that's a hard bet to make. So... Yeah, he's there because he's had some proven production, but like my F tier, I, I really find it hard to parse between guys at tight end 15 to tight end 30. And that's why once you get to this middle range, wait, wait, wait longer. Like, I don't want to draft Tyler Higby as the tight end 16 because I could just draft a guy that's like going to score one point less per game as tight end 24. I, I just find it really be, to be hardly bullish on most of these players. And the only guys I'm really bullish on, I moved up into my C tier, like Chigakonkwo. Like, I like him as a late round tight end, which means he will inevitably bust because he's the one late round tight end I actually like. But that's who I'm going to push my chips in on. Chigakonkwo, like, that's the late round tight end I want. I don't want these other guys. Yes, the prolific throwing offense that is the Tennessee But he's athletic. Titans. That's Fifth. what he makes up for it. He's athletic. I'm athletic too, but yet I'm here sitting here every day <laughs> and still just standing still talking into a camera all the time. So it doesn't always get utilized. I'm just saying we get utilized once a year when we have our fantasy pros outing and we play sports. That's it. That's when it gets utilized. Fitz, you are uh, a believer. It looks like in Schultz and Komet because you got them both in your C tier. So I want to talk about these two guys. So do you see what Erickson sees? Obviously you must to have Schultz still kind of in that viable range. Do you believe he has the opportunity to lead the Texans in targets as Erickson was saying? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to see <laughs> that wasn't very like, convincing. Yeah, not want to come mean, on here and be the bullish one on Dalton Schultz. Nobody yeah, wants to be looking, that person. If you're it's looking fair. for ringing Dalton Schultz endorsement, uh, <laughs> you haven't really come to the right wrong place tree. Here, Joe. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. But like, I, I see the possibility that he could be uh, the target leader there. And um, it's just, what is the quality of the targets going to look like coming from CJ Stroud? And, you know, in a what might be kind of a dysfunctional offense this year. So I'm a, mm -hmm. a little worried about it. Plus, I, I've always thought Dalton Schultz was kind of just a guy. And, uh, you know, just the guy worked really well in Dallas when he was the guy at tight end for them um, in a couple of years. But I just, yeah, I mean, the target outlook looks much better for him than it does for Cole Komet. But if these guys were in sim similar situations, um, I'd have Komet ranked much higher. I mean, Komet did lead okay. the Bears in targets, catches, receiving yards, and touchdown catches last year. But then again, they were, mm -hmm. you know, if they threw three wideouts on the field, it was like equanimity. Uh, who, who, who was second Dante in that category? Pettis. Was yeah, it Darnell right. Mooney? Equanimity. <laughs> right, well, but to Pat's point, they didn't have the talent that they wanted to throw out there. Right. One, and they had to, and they didn't have talent to move the needle. I think... You know, whenever you bring in a talent, and DJ Moore is a talented guy. I think when you bring in a legitimate wide receiver to an offense that's grossly lacking one, just grossly lacking talent in that area, and then Darnell Mooney slides into probably what he should be, which is a number two, then you can really run a different offense. And they have enough running backs to do that as well. And they have Justin Fields, who really kind of found his confidence last year. Now it's just a matter of putting the confidence in him to throw the football. And I think it's easier to develop confidence when you have the talent on the field to throw the football too. Um, I don't think we've seen the best out of Komet yet. So I'm still, I'm going to still ride that horse here. You've got Jawan Johnson in this grouping too, which obviously I'm not even going to talk about where Erickson has him because it's ridiculous. He's actually 17. So he's at the beginning of this next tier, the C tier as it were uh, on the fantasy pros ECR. So 
Do you see opportunity for Juwan Johnson, Pat, in 2023? I do. I mean, he finished tight end 11 in, in half-point PPR scoring last season with 42 catches, 508 yards, seven touchdowns. Saints didn't take anyone from this deep tight end rookie class. Um, and then they traded away Adam Troutman to Denver. They did sign Foster Moreau. Uh, who's recovering from cancer. I guess he's expected to be good to go for the the regular season. But, um, you know, I don't know if Foster Moreau is going to be that much of a threat to Juwan Johnson's role here. And, like, I I know Juwan Johnson didn't have heavy draft capital coming into the NFL, but, um, like, the guy's just good. Like, he's he's a good pass catcher. He gets an upgraded quarterback with Derek Carr. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and he's still pretty cheap. People just haven't really bought into Juwan Johnson yet, but maybe they should. Yeah. I had a couple of shares I picked up off the waiver wire last year and pleasantly surprised used him in DFS too. You know, Erickson, you've got him far down the trough. Obviously he's part of the F troop as I'll just call them for your group. So, uh, in your opinion, do you see any upside at all when it comes to Juwan Johnson that Pat's talking about? Yeah, I see the upside. I mean, you can make the upside case for a lot of these guys when things break their way, because when you're going late round tight end, that's what has to happen or else they get dropped. So Juwan Johnson, if he catches a bunch of touchdowns like he did last year, it's just a matter of, okay, is he going to have a touchdown regression? Like, how is he going to fit in the target pecking order? Is Michael Thomas going to play? Who's Derek Carr's favorite target going to be? Foster Moreau is there. Maybe Foster Moreau isn't necessarily taking away targets, but he's taking away snaps. Like, I was much higher on Juwan Johnson before they signed Foster Moreau. I'll admit that. Like, I thought Juwan Johnson was, he was in my top 15. I was like, here we go. Like, wheels up. But then they didn't draft one, and then they signed Foster Moreau. And remember, Moreau spent his entire career in Las Vegas slash Oakland with Derek Carr. Like, that matters. Clearly, Derek Carr has a chemistry already built in with Foster Moreau, who was pretty hit or miss as a replacement when Darren Waller missed time. But we see this all the time from tight ends where their first stop, their first team that they get drafted, famously Delaney Walker with the 49ers, did pretty much nothing, went to the Titans, became a fantasy star. Not saying Foster Moreau is going to do that, but there's an opportunity there for him potentially in New Orleans to do that. So that's the only reason I'm really hesitant on Jawan Johnson. But I do see the path to the upside where he is in a athletic tight end, former wide receiver, big body. So... Yeah, I'm not opposed to drafting him as a late round option. I, I would say to that, though, that uh, Foster Moreau, when, when Waller was hurt, it wasn't hit or miss. It was pretty much miss or miss. Like he he didn't really do anything <laughs> when Waller was out. You know, like there yeah. were. Well, are, are you just talking about last year Fair specifically or you're like, I mean, last year was bad, but yeah. I feel like in mm-hmm. last previous year, I mean, years, he did a little bit more. Um, I mean, he also had like a really good. I mean, he played a lot of snaps, which again, is that because that's just the role that was asked of him on the offense? But he has a three-down skill set where he can block, he can run routes, and that potentially could eat into Juwan mm-hmm. Johnson, who, again, was really reliant on touchdowns last year. So The uh, the other guys in this C tier just kind of closes out the top 30. So basically, this is... This is the clump, I think, is the best way to put it here over at the ECR. So Juwan Johnson at 17, then Dawson Knox at 18, Mike Kosicki at 19, then McBride... Ertz, Taysom Hill, Noah Fant. Then we get the rookies begin. We got Dalton Kincaid at 24. Later on, you'll get Michael Mayer at 30, and you'll get Sam Laporte at 31 right outside. Now, we'll get to the rookies in a second, because I want to touch on Mike Kosecki for a moment, if I can, because I know Erickson, he is in your F tier, like everybody else. You've got him in the D tier still, Fitz. So do you see potentially, now that Bill O'Brien is back calling plays here for the New England Patriots, 
the potential for Mike Kosicki, who is a pretty good pass catcher, a pretty good route runner that was just not part of the style of play, I think, of what the Dolphins offense became under Mike McDaniel. Do you see a Gasecki opportunity is one of these guys. Maybe if you're throwing multiple darts at late tight ends, Gasecki's one to throw. I do. And uh, I just had my first redraft league draft and I wound up, uh, you know, it was like a 20 round draft and I took Mike Gasecki as my second tight end. And I am kind of optimistic. I mean, he's one of the more athletic tight ends in the league. He has a 73 catch, 780 yard season. Uh, it, on the record. And that was just two years ago in 2021. Um, Like, I don't know what happened with him last year, why the Dolphins would franchise him and then completely marginalize him in their offense. It it was kind of a a strange development, but now Gasicki comes to new England. And I know um, maybe we got a little too excited about like Johnu Smith when he signed with new England a few years ago, but he is being reunited with uh, his old college coach, Bill O'Brien, like Gesicki played uh, for Bill O'Brien at Penn State. So maybe there's, uh, you know, maybe O'Brien can kind of rekindle the Gesicki magic we saw two years ago. When we did our first mock draft of the season, which is also on the YouTube channel, um, we had uh, Justin Boone on the, the tight end room got away from me. And unfortunately, you know, I had to look around and Gesicki's who I ended up with. Uh Erickson, you're a Patriot guy. You think that maybe Mike Gasicki can rebound and build on that season two years ago in this offense? Because certainly this is another offense. If you love Darren Waller because there's not good pass catchers, then how do you not love Mike Gasicki? Because the Patriots don't exactly have Jerry Rice and, uh, you know, Terrell Owens over there either. Well, he is the third ranked tight end in my F tier. Uh, Mike Gusecki is so I do I, I do you. acknowledge nice do. Um, him a little bit more yeah. than some of the other F tier tight ends that I have and it's for the reasons Fitz laid out with Gusecki he's proven producer he's done it before he's been able to produce at a high level at the tight end position he's athletic a new stop new home new opportunity we see this a lot from tight ends they go to a new team on their second contract and they explode you know they are productive I should say so I guess with Gusecki, for me, it's, okay, well, how does his role now shift with Hunter Henry still there? Because Hunter Henry is also a proven tight end producer. Like two years ago, he had flirted with double-digit touchdowns from Mac Jones. We expect this offense to take a step forward. And again, going back to tight end production, so much of it is touchdown-driven because none of these guys are getting enough targets because of the position that they play. They're just not playing enough snaps. They're not running enough routes. So if Gusecki can emerge as the red zone guy, okay, like I see that path. But... If it's still Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki splitting routes, I mean, after week one, we may know automatically know it's like, oh, they literally split snaps 50-50 between Gusecki and Hunter Henry. Like, this isn't going to work. Like, you got to cut this guy. So, mm-hmm. but at the same time, oh, he's in that Aaron Hernandez role. Like, they're moving him into the slot. They're matching him up against really slow linebackers, like what Bill O'Brien has done before. Then you can get excited about a guy like Mike Gusecki because, yeah, I think similar to like a Darren Waller, if, if we look up and Gusecki leads the Patriots in targets, I don't think there's a non-zero chance that that that, that happened. So <laughs> it's in the range of outcomes, as Derek Brown likes to say. It's definitely in the range of outcomes. Let's just uh, end things here with the rookies, because obviously in terms of the ECR, Kincaid's at 24, Mayer's at 30, Laporte is at 31. Um, I know, Pat, you seem to, at least the, the Twitterverse seems to think that you have a, a negative stigma towards Dalton Kincaid. And I understand rookie tight ends. They don't all show up like Kyle Pitts. My defense of Dalton Kincaid is I don't see him being used at tight end as nearly as frequently as being used in the slot. I think he's going to be a huge Mitch, huge mismatch, excuse me, in the slot for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And they're going to 
really push that pass catching ability that he has and the difficulty that I think any nickel corner or even a linebacker for that matter, trying to keep pace with him. Why are you throwing cold water on the Dalton Kincaid situation so much? I mean, I, I can see him playing some slot snaps. I don't think he's going to totally displace Khalil Shakir or, uh, you know, or even Deontay Hardy um, from their slot roles with the Bills. Um, it, it's just, I mean, he's a rookie tight end. I, like, I do think he is the best rookie tight end in this class. Like, I don't dislike Dalton Kincaid. I think he's a really good player. And it's kind of exciting to see him paired with one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Um, I'm just pumping the brakes on a rookie tight end. Um, which I think is generally kind of the, the prudent thing to do. But I just like I know coming out of uh, the draft, like I was seeing him go in tight end one range in best balls. And I, I thought that was just a little excessive. Who do you think uh, Erickson out of the rookie tight ends is going to make an impact in 2023 of those three guys? I still think it's probably Dalton Kincaid. I mean, like the being a first round draft pick matters like significantly like being drafted in the first round right. just historically speaking as a tight end they were just more likely to produce and they moved up to take him too let's not forget they did move up because the pass catchers were flying and they wanted to get somebody else because they weren't thrilled with what they had already in house yeah so they're more likely to produce i know that the argument can be made oh well sam laporta like he has less competition than Dalton kincaid does because it's it's amon ross st brown and then nobody else because james williams is suspended for six weeks and like theoretically that makes sense but james williams is going to come back and Sam Laporta then has to have all of his production at the beginning of the year when he's a rookie tight end, when we see not just rookie tight ends, but rookie receivers tend to have bigger roles as the season continues and progresses. So I just think if these particular players fall in your drafts where you feel comfortable, it's like, are you going to feel comfortable starting Dalton KK week one? Like probably not. So it's like really hard to draft him as your tight end one going into the season because okay, like how, what's his role going to be in this offense? It, it's okay to have question marks. And I think if you're making a bet, the, the best bet you've been made is betting against rookie tight ends, not betting for them to hit right away. If anything, it's just something to keep in mind to buy these guys low when they don't produce right away. Because you know, okay, we see rookies have bigger roles as the season progresses. Everyone's annoyed at Dalton Kincaid because he's splitting snaps with Dawson Knox. Okay, he still exists. He's still on the team. Like that still matters. So it's just things that people are tend to be overlooking. And, you know, I'd rather just, you know, take my guy Chigakonko a couple rounds later. These are my favorite shows because I love when all of us together here sit in a room and talk about the positions just singularly and go through these names. Because I think it's the most useful for us as we continue to shape our analysis of what the 2023 draft should look like. And also for all the listeners and the watchers on YouTube also. I think these are always our, our best shows, and I'm you know so glad we got to sit here and do this one too. If you missed it, there's a series of them. So we've already done the running backs and the wide receivers. They're all up there, so go check them out, please, over on our YouTube channel. Go subscribe there. Click the bell for notifications. Uh, and again, if you want us to continue to look at the ranks yourself, you can always do that at fantasypros.com slash rankings. And we want you to use these rankings and all this knowledge to go win some money playing fantasy football, maybe even a million dollars. And you could do that at fantasypros.com dot com slash championship that's where you want to go so you can get involved in the fantasy pros ffpc championship a million dollar first prize six million dollar prize pool and free uh fantasy pros and betting pros subscriptions to some of the big winners too. use that promo code fantasy pros when you sign up to get 25 dollars off and you also get the early bird special too there's still time in june if you sign up by june 1st here which is again you know by the time this comes out maybe today's your last day uh, and if you draft by June 15th, you can get an extra 35 bucks. So go ahead and do that as well. 
Uh, great show, gentlemen. It was great to sit and have these big roundtable discussions on the positions. I think we'll all be better off for it when we get into August and September for the big drafts. That'll do it for us. But the story of the game goes on for Fitz and Erickson. I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.